your good pastor suggested just before I came up to greet those in the narthex who are here. And let, we want you to know you're a part of our congregation as well. What a nice problem to have in a church. There are more deacons ordained this morning than there are in the average Presbyterian congregation. And it's a, <laughs> that is a great tribute to your leadership, Pastor and pastors. I've heard one of my chief regrets when I come to an occasion like this is I do not get to hear Scott Dudley preach. I have been told he is a first-class preacher and uh, do you realize <laughs> how privileged you are. Our church, our two senior pastors have just been removed by the Presbytery, Hollywood Presbyterian Church. We're going through deep pains, and it is such a blessing to be in a church where the choir sings with its, all its soul, and the pastors lead an honest lay woman gets up and gives an honest, solid testimony, and then all of these leaders. God bless the Bellevue Church, and thank you. Uh, the Leons kindly drove us out. We got to see the Jubilee Reach Community Center in the Lake Hills neighborhood and walk through the... Uh, what you're doing with your Ripple Effect mission is so exciting and so good. What if every church uh, threw itself into its local community and then into one place uh, out in the great hurting world? Uh, we salute you and we thank God for you, uh, First Presbyterian Church of Bellevue. I want to preach this morning on what about Judas? Kathy and I both this last week in preparation for today read the National Geographic the Gospel of Judas. You read it and you will be very grateful for the canonical Gospels. <clears throat> Jesus thanks Judas for killing him. He says, you're just getting rid of the outer man and letting, rid of, get, letting the inner divinity come out. And this will also bless you. And please, uh, it was very hard reading. And uh, it's only 20 pages. I suggest you check it out at your library. Don't buy it. Uh, <laughs> Scripture is more sober. There are ten references to Judas. In nine of them, he is a warning. Thoughtful Linda Enkema in the pre-prayer meeting asked, what are the main points you want to get across today? We're going to be praying for you. And I thought, oh, I told her, and then I want to tell you right now. The two main points are Judas is meant as a warning to all of us who are leaders, deacons and elders and others, serious Christians. You may be in the inner twelve, but you could do Jesus in. Did you realize this? Only a Christian can betray Christ. You and I are, uh, are, are dangerous, and we've got to be very, very careful. So I'm not going to sentimentalize by my second point, the first point. Nine out of the ten references of Judas are used as warnings to us. In one text, Matthew chapter 27, which I will read in the middle of the sermon, some hope is held out for Judas. And uh, I hope that uh, we will hear that hope. I'm surprised the Gospel of Matthew is the severest of all four Gospels, more references to judgment in Matthew than in any other of the four Gospels. And yet, he, he holds a, opens a little door of hope, and I think uh, he intends for us to enter that door, and I, I look forward, therefore, to teaching these two texts. I'm going to ask you to remain seated while I read the Acts text in liturgical churches, I think you know, in the Old Testament reading, the epistle reading and the Psalter, the church remains seated, but for the gospel they stand in kind of honor. And in the middle of the sermon, I will uh, narrate the gospel and ask you to stand. Uh, at the end, the, uh, 
This happens, I, I will say, the word of the Lord, and if you would kindly respond, thanks be to God. Here goes now Acts chapter 1, verses 15 to 27. And it, Jesus has just ascended to heaven, and Pentecost is just ahead, and there's work to be done, and Peter has a suggestion. Here goes. Then Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. There were about 120 all told. And he said, brothers and sisters, it is absolutely necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit spoke through the mouth of David when he foretold Judas. You know, he turned out to be a spy for those who arrested Jesus. And darn, he had been a part of us. In fact, he had a part in this sacred apostolate and service. But he went off to a place he preferred. You know what happened? Peter continued, he purchased this huge real estate with his ill-gotten reward money. And as he was standing up above and surveying his estate, he fell flat on his face, burst open in the middle, and his intestines came gushing out. And this became the big news to all of the people in Jerusalem. And they named the place where they buried him in their dialect, Hakeldamach, field of blood. And so this fulfilled the first psalm of David, Psalm 69, quote, Let his habitation be absolutely desolate, and may no one ever live there, end quote. But the second psalm of David, said Peter, is our agenda today, Psalm 109, quote, Let someone else take the traitor's place of leadership, end quote. So, brothers and sisters, it is absolutely necessary that one of that select group who was with us the whole three years from the time of the baptism of John, when Jesus was baptized, till Jesus' ascension just a few days ago, that select group that was with us those whole three years, one of them has to be selected to be with us, a witness to his resurrection. So they put forward two, Joseph, surnamed Barsabbas, nicknamed Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed. This was their prayer. You, Lord, su Cardiognosta Panton, heart knower of all people. Please let us know which of these two you have chosen to have a part in this fabulous apostolate and ministry that Judas left to go to his own place. Amen. Then they threw dice. <laughs> Evens, Joseph, odds, Matthias. It was odds, and Matthias became one of the eleven, and now there were twelve. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peter's kind of hard on Judas here in his little sermon. I feel like telling him, you haven't had a great weekend, Peter. You, you denied him and so on and have a heart. And uh, some think this was the stupidest thing Peter ever did. It shows you what happens if you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. That comes the next chapter. Uh, they say Paul intended, uh, Je Jesus intended for Paul to be the twelfth apostle, and this was a dumb thing, and, and uh, the throwing of the dice doesn't add credibility to the story. It's a, it's a strange story. <laughs> but I think it was, uh, and, and most commentators do feel this was the right move to make, and Peter's trying, to, he's trying to do the right thing. Uh, Luther said that if the Pope were evangelical, he'd kiss his feet, and he felt that the church needed a central uh, speaking voice. And when Jesus called, you are rocky, and on this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell, 
and Jesus did build his church on the witness of Peter. He gave the Pentecost sermon in the next chapter, this sermon. The Gentiles were let in through Peter's sermon in Acts 10. And I think the Lord intends for there to be a papal office. And uh, the Roman Catholics have come so far toward us. I think we could make that move to them if the Pope were evangelical, as Luther's famous condition, and maybe would uh, surrender infallibility, but would be a central voice. Imagine if Islam had a central imam who would say, who would issue a fatwa, that whoever commits a suicide bombing and kills his and others' lives uh, is not going to paradise, but is going to judgment. How that would help uh, uh, the Dalai Lama, you think of uh, Tibetan Buddhism, a central voice, I think the Lord wanted that. And uh, Peter is witness to that. Just a, uh, not long ago, uh, a businessman in my Sunday school class gave me the Wall Street Journal article. Uh, I don't subscribe to it. It's not an evangelical rag exactly. And it's, but I was... <laughs> and I'm not a business, but this is a, 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 an editorial. This is from the first week in November 1999. Uh, and it's entitled, By Grace Alone... And it has Pope John Paul II, who was the uh, uh, Pope at that time. And I did not know this had happened, but the week pre- uh, previous, the Roman Catholic Church and the Lutheran World Federation had agreed on the doctrine of justification, the central divisive issue in our church. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph in the central one uh, to let you know what happened, because maybe you haven't heard about it either. Uh, By grace alone, exactly 482 years after Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, leaders of the Lutheran and Roman Catholic churches met in Augsburg on Sunday to settle the dispute that formed the core of their schism and that led to the Protestant Reformation and the Thirty Years' War. At issue was the concept of, quote, justification, end quote, whether, as Lutherans and most Protestants believe, man finds salvation in faith alone or, as Catholics have long emphasized, a life of good works is an integral part of the path to salvation. And then I skip a paragraph on indulgences, and here's the central paragraph where they quote the central sentence of the document. It's called the Joint Declaration on the Doctrine of Justification. Not exactly a winning title, but it's a JDDJ, and you can get it at the uh, Christian bookstore. It's only 20 pages. It is something. Here's they quote the central decision. The Joint Declaration issued by the two churches was the product of 30 years of work at doctrinal reconciliation. It effectively concedes the theological debate to Luther. Yes. <laughs> and then it gives a quotation. This is the central conclusion. Quote, By grace alone, by faith in Christ's saving work, and not because of any merit on our part, we are accepted by God and receive the Holy Spirit. And then there's a comma, and they add, and it says, but, but it finds that Catholics have a point, too, saying, and here's the conclusion of that sentence, the Holy Spirit who enters our lives, then, renews our hearts, equipping and calling us to good works. End of quote. We're not saved by good works into grace, which was the scholastic plan of salvation. You did good things, and God would accept you. We're saved by sheer grace and faith into a life of good works for others, but not to earn God. I just think that is so good of them, and... I think we could do them the honor of accepting the papacy and uh, Peter. And, uh, uh, and uh, we're very grateful for the present Pope Benedict and his thoughtful the- theological position. They're going through huge, uh, the whole uh, uh, sexual uh, crisis in their church. And uh, 
they're our brothers and sisters. And uh, let's pray for them and, and be grateful for every move they're making. Now, Peter gives this sermon and talks about uh, Judas's awful end. And may it remain in our conscience and say to us, please be careful how you treat Jesus Christ. And now if you would be so good, please, to stand for Matthew 27, verses 1 to 8, the one little ray of hope. See what you think the text is trying to tell us about Judas in these eight verses. Now, the senior pastors and the lay leaders all gathered together to have a meeting about and against Jesus so that they could have him put to death. And when they'd made that decision, they tied Jesus up in knots and led him off to the governor, Pilate. And when Judas heard that Jesus had been sentenced to death, He was filled with remorse. And he brought the 30 pieces of silver back to the temple. And he came to the high senior pastors and the lay leaders and he said, I have sinned against innocent blood. And they said to him, what's that got to do with us? Deal with it. But he did. He hurled the 30 pieces of silver back into the sanctuary. He went outside, went a distance away and hung himself. Well, the pastors gathered up the coins and they said, well, this can't go in the temple treasury. It's blood money. Hmm. So they had a meeting and they decided that they would buy Potter's Field and turn it into a cemetery for aliens. And so that field is with us to this day and it's called Hakeldemach, Field of Blood. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our Acts text, in harmony with the other texts in the Gospels, is a warning given by Peter, the leader of the church, the great danger. The the Matthew text is very sympathetic. Uh, You don't expect this exactly uh, from Matthew, as I said, whose usually his optic is rather severe. In the ancient church, because the church had been given the keys of the kingdom, whatever you uh, loose and, and, and let in will uh, allow it in, whatever you lock uh, will be excommunicated. And because of that, the church had three conditions for penance. It was called the, the, the uh, three penitential conditions. <clears throat> contritio cordis, contrition of heart. Second, confessio oralis, oral confession, saying you've done wrong. And third, uh, satisfactio operis, satisfaction of works. That is, you would uh, restitution. You would, if you'd stolen, you would give back. If you had uh, taken someone's honor, you would pay the civic penalty or be willing to and whatever. Judas does all three in our text. Is Matthew aware of what he's saying? It said, when he heard that Jesus had been betrayed, pardon me, been sentenced to death, he was filled with remorse. That's the New Jerusalem Bible translation. By the way, I recommend it. It's the post-Vatican II Roman Catholic translation. And the deluxe edition has notes. One of the translators is J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Devout Roman Catholic friend of C.S. Lewis. And his name is in the back as one of the translators. And it is exquisite. The New Jerusalem Bible. It's a fabulous Bible. The NRSV, which I'm happy to see is your pulpit Bible. And it's this scholarly translation. 
has uh, just a single word. He repented. He repented. So he seems to have had contritio cordis. Uh, he said he was filled with remorse, repented, two translations. And he brought the 30 pieces back to the pastors and the elders. And these are the leading instances in the church, these the ordained persons who have official authority. And they say what no counselor should ever tell you or me if we come to them. What's that got to do with me? Deal with it. Cry, baby. Uh, come on. That is so heartless, and I, I'm so sorry. Some commentators say, hey, Judas didn't do it right. He should have gone to Jesus. How can he? Jesus is under arrest. Well, they said then he should have gone to the apostles because Jesus ordained them. They've all turned tail. They're not around. I think he was doing all he can do. He went to the stated supply of the, the church, and he got nowhere. He was, he was treated so badly. And I love what he says to them, what he said to them. I have sinned. He doesn't say mistakes were made. (laughs) (laughs) My parents didn't potty train me correctly, and therefore I've had this problem. He doesn't blame other people. I have sinned. And then he honors Christ against innocent blood. And then they say, what's that got to do with us? Deal with it. Well, he did. Before he did, he hurled restitutio operis. He hurled. He's not going to give this to his heirs. He's, he throws it right back where he took it. And he went out and hung himself. This has been so delicate for the church to deal with because so many people are on edge and thinking of suicide. And so the church has had to be very careful if it is too sympathetic and generous, so-called gracious, and it doesn't matter, and so on. They hurt people and may push them over the edge. It does matter. The Sixth Commandment says, Thou shalt not kill, and that means yourself. And uh, so the church has had to be so careful. They're too tight and hard here. Won't bear you in the church grounds. The church did for centuries. Uh, that seems too harsh. If you're too generous, you can hurt people who are li- living. And, and so it's very, very difficult. And uh, some say the difference between Peter's contrition, where he wept, but then he believed in Jesus' forgiveness, and Judas, where he didn't, he only believed in what he did, uh, and that he's the example of the supreme sin, the sin of despair, I think is a little too hard. At least in Matthew's version, it seems to me Judas is doing everything he can. He did sin when he uh, hung himself. That was not right. But Matthew, the canonical evangelist, seems to be saying... He did everything he did and came to the church and sought their word of grace, and they did not give it. May the Lord help us, when people are hurting, to give them thoughtful, wise counsel and the grace of God. I want to conclude with a poem that a lady sent me, and it's built on the... uh, Some of you may know her, by the way. She's here in Washington State. The Reverend Faye L. Serene, Associate Pastor for Adult Ministries, Westside Church, Richland, Washington. And I had given a talk on Judas, and she sent this to me. It's based on the saga, more than doctrine, really, of the descent of Christ into hell. It's more poetry than history. But I think it captures the spirit of Matthew's gospel. I do not agree with the gospel of Judas that Jesus did a good thing by betraying Jesus. He sinned. But I do think 
that the Gospel of Matthew opens a slight door, and I believe that this poem, it's called The Ballad of the Judas Tree by D. Ruth Etchells, exposits, interprets, I think thoughtfully, the ancient doctrine of the descent into hell and the Matthean version of Judas. The Ballad of the Judas Tree by D. Ruth Etchells. In hell there grew a Judas tree where Judas hanged and died because he could not bear to see his master crucified. Our Lord descended into hell and found his Judas there forever hanging on the tree grown from his own despair. So Jesus cut his Judas down and took him in his arms. It was for this I came, he said, and not to do you harm. My father gave me twelve good men, and all of them I kept. Though one betrayed and one denied, some fled and others slept. In three days' time I must return to make the others glad, but first I had to come to hell and share the death you had. My tree will grow in place of yours. Its roots lie here as well. There is no final victory without this soul from hell. So when we all condemn him as of every traitor worst, remember that of all his men, our Lord forgave him first. There is hope. 